was something that was always in John's mind. To be quite honest with you, it was always his little girl. Something that was kind of nagging at him, I suppose. And especially since my brother died, you know, always in my mind. And I said, I'd love to know, is she alive? Where is she? John and Nell Richards are looking for a girl, or at least a woman who was a girl back in the 1970s. Well, I reckon she was probably in her late 50s now. I, 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 I'm, I'm presuming that, like, as I said, I'll be 50 years married in October coming. So like, I put her down on 58, now 59, probably, if she's still alive, you know? John has spent the last 50 years thinking of a girl who he's never met and who he's only heard about through a letter. So I'd love to find this girl. We would love to find her. My name is Shauna McGreevy. Having come across John's story earlier this year, I contacted him to follow himself and his wife Nell on the search of a lifetime. From RTE Documentary on One, this is Girl from the Letter. Having spoken to John and Nell many times over the phone, I finally met them for the first time last April. We sat down and John began telling me his story. My, my name is John Richards. I was born and bred in Fromai, County Cork. And uh, I met my good wife and she's from Bartholomew, just out the road. Nil Long. Nil Long, she was called. Even though she was christened, she was christened Mary. But uh, no one knows about Mary. And we'll we be celebrating our 50th anniversary on the 6th of October. And you're all welcome to the party. So I'm Nell, and um, I'm married to John for nearly 50 years. And we have two sons, Barry and Keith, and we have two grandchildren. Very important. My mother is, she's unbelievable. I couldn't wish for a better mother. This is Keith, John and Nell's youngest son. They're a small and very close-knit family. Dad, Dad would be very helpful and he'd be very supportive, but I suppose behind it all as well, he's a bit of a softy. Like. This story begins after a chance meeting with a journalist on a street in Cork. Just, it was a, an accidental meeting with um, Ralph Regal that uh, instigated the whole procedure and um, he wrote an article. The article Nell mentions was published in the Irish Independent last March. I read it and thought, what an incredible story. Thursday, 2nd of March, 2023, Irish Independent by Ralph Regal. An Irishman is trying to solve the 50-year mystery of the dad who deserted his wife and... John Richards Jr., 74, who with his wife Nell has battled ill health, wants to trace his... Sometime around 1952, my father went to the UK for work, Mr Richards said. He was supposed to send money back to his family in Cork, but we never heard a word from him. There was no money sent home and no contact. My grandfather used to go over and back when they were small... Now, I suppose work was hard to come by in Ireland at the time and he used to go over and back to England for work and he used to come home. There was nothing unusual about it back then, like, and then he stopped. John's father was named John Joseph Alfred Richards. Known as John Senior, he first went missing when his son, John Junior, was just four years old. And so 
John's earliest memories are not of his father, but rather of making up stories about his father. You'd be playing away, you'd be playing away in, the, in the playground in school and, you know, all the, all, as boys would be boys, they'd be all, my dad does this and my dad does that and my sure dad doing... I'm, the easiest way out for me at the, at the time is to say, my dad's dead. That's, and, that's, that's the way, and that's the way it went and that's the way it looked, you know? And even up to the time that the letter came, as far as I was concerned, he was dead. The only details John's mother told him about his father were that he was born somewhere in Wales, grew up in Ireland and served in the Irish army. Nothing else. She never spoke about him to my brother or myself at any stage of her life. It's funny, actually. It's a really funny one because she just didn't speak of him. And then we just took it to dad and left it to dad. And we were happy. Which is, you know, that, that's the main thing. We were, we were happy to go. John and his brother Donal grew up through the 1950s and 60s, a difficult time for a single parent family in Ireland. She, she was a single mother. There were no handouts. So she was getting money from the state and there was, there was nothing like that. There were no handouts. As you'd expect, Sheila struggled with the disappearance of her husband. But she had two young children to rear and tried to keep the best side out. She was on her hands and knees, scrubbing floors, washing floors, polishing floors, doing washing for people, earning for people. She was fabulous. She actually was fierce outgoing. Like to, like to fight, would buy. <laughs> loved her soccer, loved the locals for my team. She was well able to dance. <laughs> yeah. Now met Sheila when she started going out with John and was immediately taken with her. Yeah, she was brilliant. You'd think she hadn't a worry in the world, you know, that that was, that was her way. She'd make Christmas cakes. <laughs> And uh, we'd go up on a Sunday and she'd make eclairs. She'd have the cigarette in the mouth and she'd have the eclairs in the oven while you'd be looking around you and they were filled and they were iced and got beautiful. Sheila, John and his brother Donal were on their own. Sheila without a husband, her sons fatherless. And that's how it remained from the 1950s to the 1970s, when one day a letter arrived in the post. The letter was, was sent to the local guard station and it was sent up, up to the house. To her. And uh, she opened it. I came home from work and I was gossiped. Jesus, I said, we sat down and I said there was no talk for a long time. You know, it was just, we're all dumbfounded. The letter that Sheila received was from her husband, John Sr., asking if he could return home. Now, Sheila, together with her sons, had a big decision to make. I said, what do you want to do? So she said, I don't know, I have to have a chat with Don, my brother. I said, the bottom line is, I said, I'm getting married in October. I said, Don is engaged. I said, I presume, I said, he... He'll be moving out. So I said, you'll be on your own. So I said, it was up to you. I said, whatever you want, I will stand by you. I said, I won't cause any hassle. I said, I'll stand by you, whatever you want. And I said, so I said, I said, what do you think about it? And the, the, the worst thing was, she, was that 
If she was the same man that she knew, she'd love to have him back. So I said, fine, off you go. Sheila and John were happy for John Sr. to return. However, John's brother Donal, who died in 2020, had a different view. No, my brother, unfortunately, you know, he, he was totally against it. Totally, he was really, 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 really against it. We had many, um, I had talk with one you know, and I said, look, it's her life. And I said, leave her alone. She's happy to bring him back. I said, bring him back. So one question they all wondered was why? Why, after 20 years, was John Sr. returning? John and Nell's son, Keith, wonders if his parents' marriage could have been the reason why his grandfather returned. He was 20 years and then he just arrived on around the time of Dad's wedding. My father believes that he was still in close contact with a friend that he possibly thinks that he met on the military side that was in contact with him and that was giving him information about my, my dad and my grandmother and what was happening. And he just arrived home then. I mean, why did, why did he come home? You know, why did he decide to come home? Even, like, at the time he came home, it was just like as if somebody had given him information or something that there was going to be a wedding. I don't know. But um, that's it's all just questions and no answers, really, you know. I, I couldn't ask me what date or even what date it was even he was to come up at night time. And uh, I remember saying to my good wife now, you better be in the house, I said, you better come up. I said, I don't know what way I'm going to react. I said, I don't know what I'm going to hear him a flick. I said, I, know, I said, I don't know. And I know if she was there, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything like What wasn't he going to do to him? Like, he was going to kill him, <laughs> you know, for what he had, you know, all the trouble he had caused and all the years that he was missing. I mean, he left with, left two small children, and he came back to two grown men. 20 years after telling his school friends in the playground that his dad was dead, John, now aged 25, was about to meet him again. At this point, he had no living memory of his father. A bad, wet, windy day, miserable day. And we were waiting and waiting. And And how was your mum feeling? You know, sitting in the kitchen, oh, she, she, quiet. She, oh, she was, she was quiet. At the time, if there was a bottle of whiskey up on the, up on the table, there would be a lot of organic and tell you. You think she was anxious? Oh, God, she was there. We were, we all were. Around 10 o'clock came, there was no, it was getting, it was getting dark. And there was no sign, no sign. Course, there was a few choice words being said. And I said, this fuck isn't going to come at all. I said, no, and... Uh, all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door. And we all kind of looked for him. And I said, I'm going out. And I went off out, and I wrote the hall. And I, and I opened the door, and he was standing here in front of me. And he just threw a kiss like that up over his, up his shoulder. He was talking about and, and, and like I'd say, he didn't know what to expect when the door would open. I just get one look at him and I just drew me two hours around him. I started crying. 
Of een dofheid, nou, nou. Zo. Ik ging in de zetonen. I remember, like, when he came in, he was just shaking. He wasn't in the best of health that time when he was here. No, he didn't look in the best of health, do you know? Do, do you remember him meeting your mother then, what that interaction was? I, I don't think that the whole dark... I, I, I don't think they did. And uh, we had an awful lot of uh, nervous people, I suppose. John Jr. was very nervous and... Um, John Senior was equally nervous, and I mean, as I said, like they were they were two grown men when he came back, and it was very hard for them to adjust as well. Like you know, um, having a father when they didn't, they never had, they never had one like growing up. You know that they only always had Granny, and that was their lives. Like once again, Sheila had her husband back in her life. The question was. How would she get on with him after all these years? From the day he arrived, she was jolly, she was up to the crack and, you know, they got him waiting, like, in fairness. And locally, everybody just accepted him back? Oh, they did, yeah. I, I didn't... There was the odd few who said, oh, you shouldn't take him back. I wouldn't have him back. If it was mine, I wouldn't have him. And I just... But, like, she just didn't... We, we, we all didn't know that. But, you know, he was accepted. You said you got on really well with oh, him back here. Yeah. You know, did you ever talk to him about where he had been? No, there was no 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 talk about not. He'd always show you, you know, from any time. Like, there was never he didn't even he never let anything slip. He was home. They were happy. She was happy. I was happy because you know she she was in good form. So I'm sitting here with John, and we are looking at his wedding album. Yeah. John is looking at one of the only photos of him with his father. It's taken on the day he married Nell. He's standing happily between his parents. Looking at the photo, you'd never imagine that John Sr. had just come back into their lives. And the, the famous day of the wedding. That's um, my dad now, myself and my mum. As you, as you can see, you know, there's, even a, there's a smile on her face now. That wasn't there before he came home. She was as proud as punch that day. You know? Do you remember this photo being taken? No, no, I, I don't remember. Very, very little of it. For you to have your dad there at your wedding mm. after him not oh, being around. Oh, I was as proud as punch. Oh, stop, girl. Oh, it was one of the happiest day of my life, you know. After getting married, John and Nell moved into their own house. This left his brother Donal at home with his mother and newly returned father. Donald didn't get on with his dad, sometimes leading to arguments. You know, I said it was first tension. He's like, he was still living at home with, with, with him. And I, I'd say there was first tension there between them. They never fought, no, don't get me wrong, they never, they never fought. But he'd always pick a role, you know, a verbal role, like there was something wrong and this was wrong and that was wrong. And While Donald struggled to connect with his father, John was beginning to build a bond with him. He, he said to me, you're, you're my son. He often, he often says to me, you're my son. Even though we were playing in a soccer match when I opened from, opened from my... And it was a draw after full time. But it had to be finished, so I had to be finished. and had to be played in penalties. I saved the first penalty. And to this day, I could hear, that's my son! Yeah. 1974 was a busy year. 
Nell and John had their first child, Barry, making John Sr. a proud grandfather. Just my granddad. We were back here for the, for the christening, there was no such thing going to the pubs at that time. You know, you come back to the house and you had your own. And he was here for that and, and everything seemed fine. And so, from the outside looking in, all was well with the Richards family. And did he ever say sorry? Well, not to me. Not to me. Until it wasn't. About 18 months after returning home, another letter arrived. This time addressed to John Sr. This letter would change things forever. The gist of it was that there was a girl there and she'd probably send her eight, I'd say. He, if he didn't come home in the next couple of weeks, that she was putting tie labour around the girl's neck and sending her off in the boat to Ireland, which we did dress on it. That's basically what, what was in the letter now, you know. John was shocked by the contents of the letter. It looked as though his father had a daughter, a little girl, living in England. John didn't discuss this letter with his father or his mother, but within a week of its arrival, John was about to see his dad for the very last time. I was coming home from work in Cork, I was coming down my curtain street in, in the bus. And uh, we looked out and here I could see a man coming up the street with suitcase over his shoulder. And I said to myself, oh, Jesus, not again. And that was it. There was no word, no word, no nothing. Just gone. Off he went. Just vanished into tail. By any stretch of the imagination, for a father to go missing for 20 years and return was difficult. But for it to happen a second time was almost too much to bear. There weren't good times, eh? Like, Tim. Many mm-hmm. sleeps at night. Many, many, many. And I often swore in and I'd kill him. It was devastating news for them all, but mostly for Sheila, who had so willingly taken her husband back. Oh, Granny was heartbroken. She was, yeah, like the life was gone out of her, do you know? Now, she continued the same way as she always did, but, like, she was deflated. Everything was kind of gone. Oh, she was devastated. Devastated. Uh, you know, she was the proudest... She was the proudest, one of the proudest women that you could think of when he came home and when they were together. But this, it really broke her heart, like. You know, she was really, really... Uh, never spoke of him. You know, she suffered, I suppose, every way, but uh, she never really talked about it. You know, she never kind of talked about him being gone. The blow of John Senior's second disappearance was felt throughout the family. But, as before, they resumed their lives without him, and the years rolled by. It was like as if, you know, this was after happening, and... um, You know, she didn't, um, I suppose, dwell on it, but she tried to get on with things as best she could. Sheila took huge pleasure in her grandchildren, but then, in her late 50s, she became ill with cancer and died in 1983 at the age of 59. She was a character. She she really was a character, you know. uh, It was too young, too young to go. Around the same time, John's brother Donal left for Australia 
There, he raised his own family until his death three years ago. The death of his brother Donal in 2020 really affected John. The need to get answers became stronger and stronger. Answers to questions around his father and the little girl mentioned in the letter 50 years ago. John's half-sister. To, to, to be quite honest with you, to, to always this little girl is in my mind the whole time. You know, always in my mind. And especially since my brother died. I said, oh, here I am now. I said, I, I'm on my own. I, I have two great sons, fabulous wife. And I said, I'd love to know, is she alive? And I said, maybe if, if, if there's one, there could be one, one or two more. I, could, I said, I could have a stepbrother. And I said, I would love, I would really love to find him and meet him. Where could that little girl be now? Is it possible to find her? And if he does find her, what could she tell him about his father? When trying to trace family, you can call on a genealogist to help track down who you are looking for. So my name is PJ Hogan. I work for a company called Aaron International. I'm a genealogical researcher. Basically, we search for beneficiaries of intestate estates. We would look at, first of all, look at the genealogical aspects and then we would have to do tracing in terms of tracing the relatives. So the kind of thing we're talking about here, I would spend most of my time doing that. And I've got quite a few colleagues who, who, who work on that as well. To begin his search, John has to go right back to the start of his father's story. And this is where PJ will guide and help him. Do you have your dad's birth cert? I, I, um, I have his marriage. marriage. I have the marriage cert. Right. And I have the, his army, his... What they would give me at the time okay. of his army record. Okay. I, does that have his date of birth on it? It has, yeah. It does. I, I okay, so we have his date of birth. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. Dates tell you more than just yeah. the names. The reason it's so important to have his date of birth and also his death record, because if we find a death record for a John uh, Richards, there's, there's going to be a number of John Richards. Yeah. So if we find one that's got that exact date of birth, it's probably him. Okay. And then the death record often has an informant on it, the person, who, be, yeah. the person who actually registered the death. And it's often a family member. So it might give us either a child of his or a niece or nephew or right, a yeah. partner or somebody. But it could be somebody that's still alive that we could contact. There's one thing in John's favour, and that is that his father has three Christian names. John Richards is a fairly, you know, common enough name, mm. especially in the UK. But John Joseph Alfred Richards is very specific. That might help. Yeah, you know, we, could know. Be, we could be able to narrow it down. In addition to a genealogical search, PJ is helping John to do a DNA test. This is new from the last time. It's got a sample collector and uh, I think that's um, a fluid. I'll have to read the, the label. Replace the funnel with the cap. Tighten to release the stabilising no fluid and shake the tube for at least five seconds. And for a DNA test to return some results, someone biologically connected to John will also have to have done a DNA test with the same provider. And I probably sh- you should probably open that, John, just to be... So you fill the tube with saliva to the black wavy line. Jesus. That's a lot of saliva. Spit the hell Christ, I'm really very happy. So... Up to the wavy line. I go to the kitchen. Please. 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 Please.
Go get spitting. I think you're a bit more excited than I am. Oh, I'm very excited about this stuff, John. That's why I do it. <laughs> well, that's, I suppose that's true. That's true. That's true. If we can get any information for you, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. It. Yeah. John manages to fill the tube up with saliva and pop it in the post. With the DNA sample gone for testing, the wait begins. The following week, I give PJ a buzz to see how it's going on the research side of things. Hi, Shauna. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good. So obviously we got on very well down there with John. You know, hopefully the DNA results will bring something back. So I just wanted to check in to see how you're getting on with the paper trail. Well, um, getting on reasonably well at the moment. I look on Ancestry.co.uk to see if there was anything uh, matching John's father and there are a couple of trees of interest. One of them in particular needs to be investigated further. It it shows a possible relationship with a number of children. So uh, I need to follow up on that. At Aaron International, we have, we have access to a lot of different genealogical archives. So I've looked at the military archives because John's father seems to have had a military past or there, there are military records that he, he's listed in. So cross-referencing that with what's on the tree on, on Ancestry, I'm just working through that at the moment. A few weeks later, PJ pays another visit back to John's home. Hello again, how are you? Michael. This time, he's going to help him decipher the DNA results. Michael, will you? Well, I'll, I'll take them away with me, or I'll give them to PJ, maybe. No, no, no. And maybe answer the question. Could there be any clues about the little girl? You'd want to be aware when you're doing this yeah. that there's a certain emotional roller coaster depending mm. on what you mm. find. Uh, you may not find what you're expecting to find, yeah. or you, you may find more than you were expecting yeah. to find, or I, you may I not know. find anything. I, 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 uh, I, I appreciate Especially given that you don't know yeah. an awful lot about what happened to your dad subsequently, mm. or even you know a lot of his history before mm. he came over here. You know, you just need to be prepared to find yeah. some some things that you 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 might not be expecting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay. So, do we want to look at the DNA? Up to you, PJ. All right. <laughs> Good or bad? Your highest matches. The first one showing up there is uh, first cousin's daughter. And that's the probable relationship. And those, those you see would be that's a second cousin's son, and right. that's probably a third cousin. So those right, are yeah. those are those are are further down. There's no sibling. Okay. So we'd have to go and look at another tool, I think. Mm. Well, I, I, I panicked yesterday myself that I wasn't going to find out straight away that, that, that I had a sibling. You know, that, that, that she'd be found straight away. It's going to take, I, I'd say, a good bit of time. It's a, it's anything that's, that comes up on his phone, I'll accept what I happen to have. Um, I suppose it's a long shot, really, isn't it, you know? You don't know. You don't know uh, what people are, or, or where people have gone to, or what they're. You know, if they're into DNA, <laughs> that that's the first thing that people have to to test. And if they don't, well, it's it's like a needle in a haystack, really, isn't it? You know, but um, hopefully something will come. We'll so come it's, it's a long, I think it's a long shot from the DNA perspective, but yeah. from the paperwork perspective, it's not. I mean, right. I'd be fairly confident that we'll be able to find yeah. right. at least what happened to, to John's father. Yes. And, yeah. you know, there's quite a few pieces of paper we can get 
that might tell us something. Over the coming weeks, PJ continues to utilise the research tools at his disposal and has come up with some very significant results. It's time to go back to Fermoy again. There's a, a nice bit of information here now, oh, so we can, uh, we can go through it if you want. And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And there is, yeah, yeah. So we go through it sequentially, kind of. Um, <laughs> so this is, um, this is your dad's uh, birth record, okay, from uh, Wales. Right. PJ is able to tell John that his grandfather, Alfred Richards, was a miner in Wales and that his grandmother was a burn originally from Wicklow. As you can see there, it lists John Joseph Alfred, yeah, yeah, um, Alfred Richards, his father, yeah. Elizabeth Richards, formerly Burn, is the oh, mother. Oh, okay. just where the, 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 the Burn connection comes in. in. So, um, his mother was was definitely Burn. Burn. Okay, and he's born on 26th of April 1922. Right. And that's um, Aber in Bedvalty in right. Wales. And he's, his father is listed as a coal hewer. Right. Okay, and it's that's the father's name there as well. Oh, yeah. The bit he's wondering about is why his dad ended up being raised in Ireland. Now, I haven't been able to find any other births. And the reason for that is that it looks like Elizabeth died in 1924. Okay, when your dad was only two. So this would explain almost certainly why your dad ended up back in Wicklow. Okay, because this man was working down the mines, you know, and... um, he, he wouldn't have been able to rear, him, a child. Yeah, to rear a child. So yeah. he probably yeah. either came over with the child or someone came over for the child. Right. I don't know which, but right. now it gives her age as 34 years. Mm-hmm. She died anyhow um, in 1924. Right. It's kind of remarkable that just like himself, John's own father was also raised without a dad. Two sons over two generations growing up without a father albeit for very different reasons. I've got some pretty good stuff here, John, OK? This is, um, you know, uh, I think this is, uh, this is pretty conclusive and it's, um, I think it's what you're looking for. Having found out about the start of his father's life, it's time to find out more about his dad's life since John last saw him 50 years ago. So this is the death record of your dad. Oh, so it's John Joseph Alfred Richards in 2009 at this address in, in England, OK? These usually have an informant on them and there's an individual who's listed as an informant in this case who was present at the death. Right. So um, I haven't been able to find a death record for this person. So my belief is that they're still alive. Still alive. OK? Right. I'm reasonably sure that this person is your father's partner in the UK. Right. OK? Right. So he, 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 was, uh, he was 87 when he died? That's right, yeah. God, I, 87. God, I can tell you what you know. I, he wasn't in the best of health that time when he was here. No, he didn't look in the best of health, do you know? God, he lived a long time after that, do you know? Yeah, that's another, that would be another, what, 30, another 36, yeah. 35 years, yeah. 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 Amazing, eh? Having discovered the name of John's father's partner, PJ then went in search of whether they had a daughter together. The little girl that John is searching for. So when we got this, we had a look to see if there were any births of 
Richards with this Mother's right, Maiden right, name. Right, right. Okay. And I was able to find five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what. To, I don't know what to, to say. I don't phone it. The dates would match with the story you've given me, right. in that the first birth would be after your father left right. for the first time, right. and the last right. birth was of a girl who would have been six or seven years old at the time that you mentioned um, so it's almost conclusively you know these are five um, siblings or half siblings We are all astonished by these revelations During the 20 years John Senior disappeared out of Fermoy and out of John's life he met a woman in the UK and had five children with her all of whom are now five half-siblings to John. These are the five births. John, do you need a moment? No, I can. So there are three boys <coughs> and two girls. Two boys, two girls. And the last one, the last one is... Um, the, the girl is the girl, I think it's the girl yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. So the first one is um, 1955. Who? Okay. The first one is a boy. That name. Right. Okay. Then there's uh, another boy in 1956. Then there's a girl in 1959. There's another boy in uh, 1965. Nell and John are listening wide-eyed in their living room. Dazed, excited and speechless all at once. And then this would be the last one. It's the girl, girl, I think, born in 1968. So I'm as certain as I can be that those are half-siblings of yours. And I would, based on the dates of birth, they're probably reasonable to believe that most of them are are still alive, if not all of them, but, you know, they're they're all all younger than yourself, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy. Out. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Ah, I can't believe it. Can't believe it. You know. And to think like I just Peter said, like that they're possibly alive, and, and you know, it's just, just yeah, you know, great. Yeah. We can go for a pint sometime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hope so. I'm thinking of all these relations that are out. There. Imagine like that there was five more. So with this newfound information, Nell has more of an understanding of the choices John Senior made. And like I can see the two sides now, like I mean I can see their mother and his mother. So like there was five children in England and there was two here and you know what what do, what do you do? I suppose who puts the gun to your head first? Is yeah. it? Isn't it? Yeah. 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 Just. I mean, when he came back over here at that time, he was leaving her with five children he over was, there. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't. They were yeah. young, like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. were young. John has just been given some life-changing information about his half siblings. What does he do next? PJ has some advice. I'd say the normal thing would be. To compose a letter, maybe. Right. And uh, now I don't know what you want to say in that, but um, probably not too much detail. And 
you could chance writing to the last ad- day address on your dad's death record. Right. I mean, the worst that'll happen is it'll come back to you right. or it'll yeah. won't get. But but there's a solid chance that there's still somebody at that address. Yeah. John decides to compose a letter and send it to the last known address of his father. Over the past number of years, I've been trying to contact family members in the UK. With the help of a genealogist, I got information regarding my father, who I believe died in 2009, and that I have three half-brothers and two half-sisters. I was born in June 1948, and my father went to work in England. I know this letter comes as a shock to you, but I want to assure you that I don't mean to cause any upset or trouble to you or anybody. I would dearly love to hear from you. And yours the appreciation, John Richards. At the same time, John's son, Keith, decides to start looking on social media. And lo and behold, before long, he has found someone. One of the pages that I found, I spotted uh, an aim that struck a bell with me and I just took it from there. It was definitely one of my dad's stepsisters that he always thought that he believed he had. I just built up the courage to send her a short, quick message via Instagram. And I just basically introduced myself to her. I told her who I was, that I was Keith Richards, and that my dad is John Richards, who is looking to reach out to possible relatives and believe that you may be a close relative. And that was the initial message that I sent. I got a reply back the following morning. They said, I have no family from Ireland. Even though my dad was Irish, she thought it was strange that his name was also John Richards. So then she went on to tell me that he was born in Wales and brought up in Ireland and came over to England. But then at the end of it, she said, I do believe he left a wife and children before he met my mum. With Keith now in communication with a woman who appeared to be the little girl from the letter all those years ago, they quickly exchanged numbers and within minutes they were chatting. She rang me and it was just, wow, like, I can't believe it, like, and we just both kind of gasped, like, and I broke the news to Dad. I said, look, Dad, I sent a message via Instagram last night to a possible relative who I thought it would be, and as, as a transpired, I said, I said, I'm after finding your little sister, I said. And it was just, it was just surreal, like, it was just, he, he was so happy. There, we went over to Keith's house, and Keith was in the car, on the phone, and he was on loudspeaker, and I said, he's talking to her. Like, it was, it was so hard to believe it, he was after having a, good chat with her like she had so much time for her dad he was so good to her and so good to them all 50 years after first learning of her existence John finally gets to talk to his half sister I stopped that shit for a minute when she said hello and I kind of and I I started crying I know it just took off and the other can we just spoke again I'd say a good trick if I was in the so I thought I was there I, double Dutch, I could be talking double Dutch for life, right? I know. But uh, when we kind of ended up before we finished off, she said, I want to say something to you now, she said. And there's one word I, a word I don't like. I have a sister, I don't, I don't like that. And I said to me, oh my God, Jesus, what's she going to come over now? Like? And uh, she said, you're my brother. 
Having just turned 75, John has finally gotten the closure he's been so desperately seeking. While his father's family in the UK knew that he had left family behind in Ireland, they didn't know any details after that. Now the contact has been made, John is slowly building a connection with his newfound siblings, beginning with his youngest sister, a woman named Karen the girl from the letter. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, darling. I've just got in from work. Oh, my God. Sit down, put your legs up and have a nice cup of tea. <laughs> I know, I've just got in, actually, and sat down and had a nice cup of tea. It's beautiful right, right. here today. We, we, we had a very bad weekend. Um, the amount of conversations we've had time and time again is yeah. that we're all these innocent people out of all this, John. You, well, exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. at the end of it. So it's no blaming anybody, you know what I mean? It's life, isn't it? That's life, and, and that's, so, uh, so when's your wedding anniversary? Did you get your passports after? I'm waiting for it to come back, right, I'm waiting right. for it to come back. So. Can't wait to meet you, can't wait for two hours I know, I hope to be. the biggest hug that I'd ever, ever give anybody. I know. Just like praying and hoping that it can be this side of Christmas. Yeah, I yeah. really do. And look, um, if, if not, if not to be early, we'll be in, we'll, we'll be in touch in, in short time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, darling. You take care. Love to now for me. Okay, love. I'll do that for you. Bye, my darling. Bye, bye, love. Bye, bye. See you again. Bye, bye. 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 